May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Jesus told his disciples a parable about the need to pray always and not to lose heart. I will not let you go until you bless me. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Today's lessons are full of such wonderful passages around the theme of persistence. Jacob persisted in wrestling with an angel. The widow persisted in her quest for justice. In both of these stories, we should look more closely at the context. Jacob had tricked his father into giving him a blessing instead of giving the blessing to his brother Esau. Now Esau was coming after Jacob with 400 men, and Jacob was scared for his life. Jacob sent gifts to Esau, attempting to appease him. He sent his family and his possessions ahead, and at night wrestles with an angel on the banks of the Jabbok River. As dawn breaks, the angel says, let me go, for the day is breaking. And Jacob replies, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You will recall that it was Jacob tricking his father to get a blessing that got him into this mess in the first place. So, I wonder, my brothers and sisters, how we are all like Jacob, struggling for blessings. Are we like Jacob, saying, I will not let you go until you bless me? That certainly feels like a recurring prayer of mine. A final note on Jacob. At the end, he gets renamed Israel, which means struggles with God. It becomes Jacob's new name, Jacob's new identity. It becomes a nation's name. Perhaps it is a name for all of us as well. We are people that struggle with God. The persistent widow also struggles. She is struggling for justice. Like Jacob, who fears his brother, the widow is coming from a position of weakness. Widows had no one to stand up for them. They were about as low on the totem pole as you could get in ancient Israel. 
Yet she does not give up. So even the unjust judge, in the end, grants her justice. Yet what jumps out at me about this parable is how Jesus starts off. Pray always. This is one thing I've always struggled with. I come to church and say my prayers. There are weekday services here, Tuesday and Thursday evenings, Wednesday morning, and they provide additional times for us to gather and pray. And I encourage everyone to try to make it more often to the weekday prayers. But even with the weekday prayers, we're still a long way from praying always. In Islam, there is a call to prayer five times a day. In Western Christian monasticism, there is the tradition of the litany of the hours, praying seven times a day and once at night, based on verses from Psalm 119. In Judaism, there are even prayers for every time we go to the bathroom. In Eastern Orthodox homes, there are icons to remind us to pray. And people in various tradition wear prayer beads, again, as a reminder to pray. All of this can help move us in a direction of praying without ceasing. In the 21st century, there are additional tools we can use to remind us to pray. A friend of mine suggested using a Fitbit. You see, Fitbit gives us a reminder every hour if we haven't done enough exercise over the past hour. That can also be a good reminder to stop and pray. My seminary classmates have a Facebook Messenger group where anytime somebody is confronting anything, no matter how slight, they will send off a message to the rest of us saying, please pray for me. I've got a difficult meeting at 11. It can be a great blessing to go into some of the challenging meetings of our daily life, knowing that people around the country are praying for us. I asked some of my friends on Facebook how they remember to pray and not lose heart. One response that particularly jumped out at me was simply community. So, how are we doing as a community, helping one another to remember to pray and not lose heart? To explore this a little further, I'll encourage everyone to come on Thursday evenings for the study group that's happening right now. We're reading the letter to the Hebrews, which has wonderful things to say about encouraging one another. All of this leads to the final idea I want to explore about prayer with you today. What do we mean by praying in the first place? 
Is prayer even relevant today in the 21st century? The Pew Research Center came out with another report this week about the continuing decline in religious affiliation in the United States. Online, I often see responses to uh, discussions about political action where people say, I don't want your thoughts and prayers. What good does prayer do anyway? Especially if we believe in a loving, unchanging God. If we look at the Catechism in the Book of Common Prayer, and if you haven't looked at the Catechism recently, I'd encourage you to grab the prayer book in the pew and turn to page 845. It is well worth the read. On page 856, the Catechism describes prayer as responding to God. God wants us to be in relationship with him and one another. In fact, if you look at the previous page in the Catechism, the mission of the church is described in these terms, of restoring all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. My beloved brothers and sisters, how are we doing in being more unified with God and one another in Christ? Prayer is part of how we do that. Let me wrap it up with a personal experience. This summer, while I was off at seminary in Berkeley, California, my father died in a nursing home in Massachusetts. When I read the message, I let some of my classmates know after morning prayer that day in the chapel, they gathered around me to pray with me. It was one of the most beautiful experiences of God's love that I have ever had. Afterwards, I walked to the refectory for breakfast, and I looked up at the hills over Berkeley. Berkeley has some beautiful hills. Psalm 121, which we sang this morning, came to mind. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That, too, is prayer. Whenever I look up to the hills, whether it be in Berkeley, here in New England, or anywhere where my travels might take me, whenever I look up to the hills, if there are great mountains or a small hillock of just 50 or 100 feet, and take a moment to look at some of the small hills around us today that are covered with beauty 
of fall, I am reminded to pray. It is a reminder to pray a prayer of thanksgiving and gratitude. This takes us back to Rowena's sermon from last week about gratitude. So, my prayer for each one of you is that even in your darkest moments, you may experience the depth of God's love for you, that it may draw you deeper into your own life of prayer. To use the words of the Collect today, Almighty and everlasting God, who in Christ has revealed thy glory among the nations, preserve the work of thy mercy, that thy church throughout the world may persevere with steadfast faith in the confession of thy name through the same Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.